0: we are here every Sunday, every day of our life, honestly, to know God and make him known. That is not just the mission of us as a gathering, as a church, but it is our mission as individual believers to know God more intimately, to make him known in our lives and toward the people all around us. And of course, we're doing that and working to do that and preparing ourselves to do that by learning how to be a good Christian or how to be a Christian period, not even be a good Christian. Some of us, we're going to know all the standards and and we're going to know the, the methodology, and we're still going to struggle, and that's okay. Christian walk is a process. It's a lifestyle. It's an ongoing thing, not something we just get good at all of a sudden, but it's something we must focus on and, and be ready to grow in, and so, of course, we've answered that first question, what is a Christian? Because you can't know how to be one if you don't know what one is, and we, we did answer that question. A Christian is, um, it's a disciple who has submitted their whole life to Jesus, someone who. Who has come to Jesus and given them whole, given their whole selves over? In the Bible, there is no difference between a believer and a disciple, a Christian and a disciple. That that someone who calls themselves a Christian is to be fully invested in following after Jesus Christ with their whole life. And because we want to follow after him, we we have to want to learn from him. And learning is a, an ongoing process. Remember, uh, the first century discipleship was about living with the master and. And eating with the master and talking with the master and learning from the master in every aspect that you might be like them. And so we want to learn from Jesus because we have learned the truth that Jesus is Lord and we want to put him first in every part of our life, every area of life. And when that happens, we find ourselves looking more and more like him, beginning, of course, with things like purity and taking steps daily to separate ourselves from sin, to be able to create by choices, by by the things that we take off and the things that we put on a person who looks like Jesus in purity in increasing measure. And then last week we talked about how the Christian should have a regular devotional time and be developing in our prayer life. That we should daily want to sit at the feet of Jesus by reading his word. That, that while the early disciples, the first disciples had that privilege of literally being at his feet. We, because he is not physically present with us, don't have that privilege. But what we do have is the privilege of his teaching, his word. From Genesis to Revelation, we get to sit at his feet and have a a devotional time, a learning time with him. And we, we have the privilege of praying like he prayed. To follow after him and getting alone with God in a quiet place or a separated place, an away place. And spending time in prayer like our master and our Savior did. Now, the first part of that, to have a regular devotional time, where do we go to sit at the feet of Jesus? It is we go to God's word. We go to this Bible. And so it's critically important that we understand what is significant about this Bible, about this word of God. And we develop a, a a priority in our life to to learn and apply the word of God as the primary authority in you in your life for life and godliness. That when you have a question, when you are trying to figure something out, you're trying to make a choice. You're trying to discern what's right or wrong. That you don't turn to social media, or you don't go to friends. You you turn first and foremost to God's word, and it becomes the primary authority in your life. For for life and godliness, for, for all the things that you are going to be doing, the Bible becomes critical. Now, too many of us, we look at God's word and, and we think that the consumption of it or the, the interaction with it is drudgery. How many of you guys have been doing or have done in the past a Bible reading plan? And when you fall behind or something, it's like, uh, oh, I guess I got to get caught up. I got to read my scriptures. Anybody had that problem? I have. I have. I fell a couple weeks behind earlier this year, and just I decided that I needed to catch up. Well, thankfully, we have tools like the Bible app. Put in my headphones and mowed, and mowed, and mowed, and I finally caught up listening to God's Word and, and uh, taking in the teachings of Christ that way. But but we have this perspective that that the Bible is dry, it's irrelevant, it's difficult to apply to our lives. And, and I would say, say honestly that those perspectives come because you haven't spent enough time in it. Those perspectives come because you don't understand it well enough and you read it with a a mind of simply doing what you must instead of looking into its pages and discerning the gift of God for you, the truth of how to live and the choices that are right and God honoring are all Not hidden, but clearly presented to us in this book if we will take the time to discern them. And so we, we get into God's word and, and we want to understand more of it. Why do we want to understand it? Even the Old Testament. Jesus, in speaking of the Old Testament, says to religious leaders of his day, Isn't this the reason why you're mistaken? You don't know the scriptures or the power of God. The reason we we make poor choices, the reason we are mistaken, the reason we misunderstand, the reason we can be led astray so easily by newscasters, false teachers, politicians, and celebrities is because we don't know the scriptures and we don't understand the power of God that is within the pages of the very word of God. We instead turn to all other kinds of solutions and answers when we have a question. Only to find that they are no solution or answer of any real and genuine kind. If instead we first come to God's word and we seek what God has to say, we will find ourselves, well... Less mistaken more often. And it's important for us to see God's Word not as a drudgery, but as a resource for every aspect of our lives. Now, there's a couple smart alecks out there that'll say, well, yeah, if God's Word doesn't tell me how to change my oil. And I'll say, no, but it tells you what kind of attitude to have while you're changing your oil. It tells you what kind of person you should be. that when you bump your knuckles on the undercarriage of your vehicle and they start to bleed, how you will respond. And what kind of character will come flowing out of those knuckles instead of curse words and anyway but instead you know that that well thank you god it wasn't my head you know just just we learn who to be not necessarily how to be or how to do everything but yet scripture is useful for every aspect of life 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. We've seen this passage before, but we're going to focus on it a little bit today and spend a few moments in it. Paul writes to his protege, a young pastor named Timothy, the Apostle Paul, who saw Jesus face to face, saw the resurrected Christ. In fact, Scripture tells us he spent time with Jesus after his resurrection and ascension, physically spent time with Jesus, learning from Jesus The things that he taught and the gospel that he shared. And so the apostle Paul is passing on to Timothy and all of us this truth. He says to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, what we have in Scripture is a gift from God to prepare us for every aspect of life. Once again, it doesn't give us specific directions about everything. Can you imagine if the Bible did that? How thick would God's word be? You know, if it, if, if it included oil change manuals and how to care for horses and uh, grease axle wheels on your carriage and, you know, it goes all the way back to Jesus day and how to relace your sandals. I mean, right, we've got, we've got too much stuff, but it tells us what kind of person God would have us to be in all those circumstances. What it looks like to live a truly spiritual life in every circumstance and all scripture. Now Paul is specifically speaking about the Old Testament here, but Peter in about the same time frame had written a letter that said that Paul's writings were scripture. And so this Old and New Testament that we have are all God-breathed, inspired by God and useful in our lives. That that uh, inspired by God in the original language that this was written in, it, it literally says God breathed. And I think I've mentioned this before. And so some of you, you're like, yeah, yeah, we've heard it. But you need to hear it again. Because the places where we see God breathing into things... It always brings a life into it that is supernatural and beyond comprehension. First time we see God breathing into something is there's this pile of dust on the on the earth that God has pulled together and shaped into a man. And then he breathes into it. And what happens to that man? He comes to life. He has a, a, a being of his own, a, a thing to give. He is a responsible to God in much the same way. We see that scripture is breathed in by our heavenly father, by the Holy Spirit, that it is given a life. In Hebrews, it says it's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to divide marrow and bone. Uh, that that, that we, we see that God's word is, is such a unique and powerful thing for us as christians and yet how often do we ignore it how often do we leave it sitting aside how often do we come to it as a a drudgery as a have to instead of seeing god's word as the ultimate get to when it comes to learning at the feet of our savior and so it says that all Scripture is useful for, for, or profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And the goal of Scripture is to get each and every one of us fully prepared for every aspect of life. Now this is, this is uh, just the, the concept of the sufficiency of Scripture. Scripture is sufficient for all the Christian life. In other words, when you hear somebody say that scripture is sufficient, it is all you need for every aspect of your Christian life and how to live in this world in a way that honors God, glorifies him, and grows you up into Christ-likeness, giving you the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel with those around you. Everything we see about the, 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 the Christian life, all we need is in scripture. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't other good books. It doesn't mean there aren't other good things. If if the fact that, um, well, if we said that, you know, all we need is scripture and so we don't listen to anybody else, why would you be listening to me, right? Because uh, this is not scripture. Now, this is inspired by scripture. This is the heart of scripture being spoken in a relevant manner. But my words are not scripture. But This is not saying that we don't listen to History. We don't listen to our Christian forebears. We don't listen to pastors and teachers and scholars. But what it says is, if they are not rooted in Scripture, then all we're getting from them is an opinion. But when they are teaching Scripture, when we're finding Scripture expanded, expounded, explained, we know that it is teaching that is sufficient for our Christian life. And so... Paul tells Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God or god breathed and is useful for four things. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And to give you an illustration of what these things are or how we might understand these four things that scripture is useful for number one is teaching and teaching is getting us from the beginning of our christian walk to the end where we see jesus face to face and our redemption is complete so teaching takes us from a place where we know nothing to a place where we know all that we need to know in order to live this life rightly and glorify God and draw others along in the journey with us, but the problem is that we don't like to stay the course. We like to go our own way. We like to to, to pursue other thoughts. We like to, in all honesty, let's use the word that we need to use. You and I, we like to rebel. We like to, to look God in the face and say, yeah, I don't think so. I don't want to do it that way. And so we will create our own path that will diverge from the, the true teachings of Scripture. And we'll, we'll dive off into places that are not right, that are unbiblical, anti-biblical, that stand up and rebel against God. Uh, and, and this is where we need Scripture to do something more for us. We know the right way, but we've decided to deviate from us from it. And so we find that when we get into scripture and we've been deviating from the it's clear teaching, it also contains for us rebuking. And a rebuke is, hey, stop it. You're going the wrong way. What are you thinking about? Why are you doing this? Why do you believe that? Why are you doing that? And so what we find, and we know the right way, and Scripture is so clear, but we choose our own way. And sometimes Scripture just says, stop it. You are doing the wrong thing, and now it's time to listen and allow Scripture to correct you. To bring you back into right standing with God. To bring you back into compliance with the teachings of Jesus as you sit at his feet. Scripture will give us the answer to. For what we're doing wrong and how to fix it. Uh, I can think of just right offhand. I, I know I always go to this one. But it's because of our culture. It's because of it was a memory verse when I was a kid. Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled by the spirit. That one verse. Just one little verse. Contains some teaching. Some rebuking. And some correcting. All in just a few words. Don't be drunk with wine. That's a clear teaching. Don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. In other words, we know where it goes if you do get drunk with wine. We know the path that veers off from the truth. Instead, be filled by the Spirit. So you've got a correcting. Here's what you need to do instead. You want to pursue your own path? Well, listen, don't be drunk with wine. It's going to take you down a bad path. Stop it. Instead... Come to the right direction and be filled by the Spirit. And so we we see just in one little verse the power of God's Word as the Apostle Paul describes it. And then he says this last thing, training in righteousness. Now, we might know the truth, but we're struggling to apply it. We're walking in and it gives us beautiful directions on how to live out the truth that we've been given. We can look at just certain things when it comes to parenting, being children, being a good employer. Some of the passages we looked at in Colossians chapter 3, when it gave us guidelines for the husband and wife relationship, for for children and and obedience, for um, uh, slaves and masters, that these are all the training in righteousness. Here's what living out scripture day by day looks like. And so if we come to God's word and all we're thinking is, i got to get through this chapter so I can check it off. What we will find is we will think God's word is empty and boring and it's drudgery and it doesn't apply to our life. But the, the genuine believer, the genuine Christian should come to God's word with a desire to know it better and begin to apply it to their life on a regular basis. And to begin to practice understanding that is God trying to teach me something? Is God rebuking me for something I'm doing wrong? Here in the word as I read today, is God trying to correct something in my life and bring me back into a right place with him? Or is God training me in righteousness and giving me the opportunity to know before I mess up what it will look like to live rightly and do the right thing? And so we can, we can see in scripture, every passage is something beautiful, something we can learn from, something we can grow from, something that teaches us something new about God or ourselves, our own sin nature, or the glory of God revealed to us in Jesus Christ, the love of God revealed to us in his sacrificial death on the cross for us, and then how that plays out in our daily lives. Scripture is so beautiful. It is so rich. It is so amazing. If you are struggling to read God's word, I want to encourage you to to get with somebody, to, to get into a place, to change your attitude and realize that you've been given a gift, not a duty. You've been given a privilege, not a rule. Get into God's word, not because God says, read it. But because he says, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. I want you to feel fully equipped in every aspect of life. Anybody ever been in a situation where you knew you knew what to do? Like you can just walk into a room and you're like, oh, I know this. I can do. Doesn't that feel good? If you've never known that. I'm sorry, I hope you can find one thing you can specialize in and be an expert and then go do it sometime or another. And just be like, walk in the room and own it. Because it feels really good when you can know that you know and be fully prepared and just be like, I got this. And yet in our spiritual life, in our walk with God... In our morality, in our life choices, in our parenting, in our relationships with spouses, in our friendships, in the way that we behave at work. We have the ability to be fully equipped and walk into every situation and be like, I got this, I know what God says. And what do we do? We leave it sitting on the coffee table all week, if you even have a Bible on the coffee table anymore. We have this privilege, this gift, everything we need, and we ignore it. Let's look at some of the things that Scripture teaches us, though. Why is it so valuable? Why is it something we should want to to dive into, to learn, to, to grasp more fully? First of all, Scripture teaches us about the nature of salvation. Uh, here's what Romans ten seventeen says. So faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. In other words, we believe because we hear the message of Christ. And where do we find the message of Christ? Where do we find this good news? We find it in scripture. And so if you're struggling in faith, you're finding it difficult to believe. You're finding it like you're, it feels like God is distant or he has no care for you today. And you're struggling with, with believing in the love and the grace and the power of God for your life. Get into scripture. Get into the word of God. Get into the message about Christ contained from Genesis to Revelation. And see what God's word would have for you to grow your faith, to bring you into salvation, not just for eternity, but even in the circumstances of life. Here's what James 1, 18 says. James, the brother of Jesus, writes, and he says, by his own choice, who's his, his, or and he here, it is the Father. He gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. James tells us that it is the word of truth. It is the the word that God has given to us, revealed through his prophets and his apostles and his son, Jesus Christ. And ultimately written down in this book, inspired by God, breathed out by the Holy Spirit, that gives us new birth into everlasting life. When things feel dead. When things feel overwhelming. When when life is is just not what you expected. And you you long for a reboot. A rebirth. Get into God's word. God's word is where we find new life. It is where we find birth again. Into eternal life. And the fullness of life. 1 Peter 1.23. The apostle Peter writes. Because you have been born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. We know that that new birth, this new life that all of us celebrate as Christians and that we seek as unbelievers. It doesn't come from just happy thoughts and wishes and jumping through hoops to to do good works. But instead, what it is, is getting to know God, getting to understand the teachings of Christ, getting to understand the love of God for you through diving into and reading and understanding the very living and enduring Word of God. What else does Scripture teach us? It teaches us about salvation, but it also teaches us how to please God. Scripture tells us in Psalm 37, 4 and 5, take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. How do we please God? How do we enter into deeper relationship with him? How do we find joy and peace in our life? It's not by reading another self-help book or following some other guru or leader or voting for the right people. It's about getting into God's word and committing our ways to God seeing what he says to do. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your paths straight. How do we know God? How do we know his will? How do we know his ways? How do we know his understanding to rely on it? We don't just sit out in the sunshine and go, um, teach me, God, I hope I can learn. It, he has been so gracious and so good to us and loves us so much that he revealed to us, breathed out for us his very scriptures. So that we don't rely on our own understanding, but we get into scripture and get his understanding for every aspect of life. I hope you guys are are getting this. We're not talking about just doing, uh, you know, a, a little bit of word here, verse there. But to really get to a point where you hunger and thirst for the word of God. Understanding that in it and it alone are all the treasures of life and godliness. The next thing that scripture teaches us is it teaches us hope and encouragement. Doesn't that sound good? <laughs> scripture. Some people read scripture and like all I see is a list of don'ts. And what's true about scripture is that while you will see some don'ts in there, you're going to see lots of you can, you will, and Jesus already did it for you. So much hope and encouragement in the scriptures. Acts twenty thirty two, 32, uh, the apostle Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus and the leaders there. And he says this, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. When we turn to the, the grace filled word of God, we find in it truth and life that builds us up. That lifts us up out of the mire, that raises our face, and we are able to receive an inheritance among all those who are set apart to God. We have this, this this beautiful promise of eternal life and the pleasure of God and the presence of God, as we read and understand God's word and and follow after Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Romans fifteen four says this, for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction. Oh, yeah, instruction. I know that. Another class, another book to read. No, written for instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. When we read God's word, it blesses us with hope and endurance and encouragement. If we are only reading scripture and looking at scripture as another thing to study, to learn, to try and pass a test. We're missing what God's word was given to us for. It is to be our hope. It is to be our encouragement so that we know that this life is beautiful and wonderful and worth living. And that even though it may be difficult by the time we get to the end of it. We will see God face to face and receive the inheritance that was promised to us. We've talked about purity earlier in the series, and that is something we should pursue. Well, what does scripture teach us? It teaches us the means of purity. How can we be pure? Psalm 119 verses 9 through 11 actually asks the question and then answers it for us. How can a young man keep his way pure? Now you might wonder, why is this about a young man? Because we all know young men. Right. I mean, let's be honest, right? Those of you who were not middle school boys, maybe you knew one. But if you were ever a middle school boy, you know. If you ever helped raise a middle school boy, you know. If you've ever been around a middle school boy, you know. And so if a middle school boy can find purity, we would think anyone could. I mean, let's just be blunt, right? If a middle school boy can be kept from sin, can glorify God, can find purity, then any of us can. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. If you do not know the word of God, if you do not interact with scripture, if you're not consuming it, hiding it in your heart, if you're not looking at scripture as all that you need for life and godliness, but instead looking at it as a drudgery, you will... Not keep it because you don't know it. You must consume it. You must take it in. You must come to it in celebration. Scripture needs to be central to your life. How can a young man keep his way pure by keeping your word? I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Not only should we be reading God's word, we should be memorizing it. It's been 42 weeks in, uh, of memory verses now. That's the most uh, weeks in a row of memory verses I've ever tried to remember, but only made about half of them. Um, but, but 42 weeks of memory verses we've had offered up to us uh, through our treasured series. And you know, if you paid attention the first week, why is it called treasured? Because we want to treasure up God's word in our heart so that we might not sin against him. We're supposed to be pursuing purity One of the best means for pursuing purity in your life is not telling yourself don't. It's not a rubber band around your wrist that you snap every time you curse. It is instead to get into God's word and to treasure it up in your heart. Or other translations say hide it in your heart. Memorize it. Interact with it. It teaches us how we can be pure. Let's, let's um, make something clear, though. We've got these beautiful things that teacher, uh, Scripture te- teacher scriptures us. Scripture teaches us. But I want you to understand, some of you are maybe of the mindset, well, I open up God's Word and I don't get it. We talked about that last week. Get rid of the translation that you're using. Not throw it away, but put it aside and find a better translation. There are good modern translations that will match your reading level. And let's be honest, if we went through public school especially, our reading levels vary. You maybe got passed through 12th grade, but you might not read at a 12th grade level. And there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. But instead, find the Bible translation that matches your reading level and consume it freely. I can make some great recommendations. The Christian Standard Bible, the one that I use for for preaching, the one that we've been using for memorization. It's easier to read. It's clear and you can understand it better better. You find the new uh, the uh, Christian standard a little harder to read, try the new living translation. It's even more modernized <laughs> in its reading and it it fits a different reading style. But you can read scripture and you when you read it in a translation that you can understand, you can understand scripture. Now, there are things that that even I I read and go, "Huh?" But everything that I need to understand for the sake of salvation, and life, and godliness, and purity, I can understand. And so can you. God's word is not some secret mystical thing where you have to have the key to decode it. Instead, it is understandable by everyone who will take the time to try and understand it. And this is a a concept called the... I always mess this word up. This is just a nickel word for when you're playing Bible Trivial Pursuit, right? But it's the perspicuity of Scripture. And and yeah, others of you who've had these classes, you're like, yeah, I didn't pronounce that very good. I'm not very good at it. But it, it is, everybody can read it and everybody can understand it. What is keeping you back from reading God's Word? Only your own choices. Only your own lack of willingness to take it and consume it and apply it and grow from it. Here's how we know everybody can understand scripture if they try. John 14, 26, Jesus says this, but the counselor, now who's the counselor? The Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Now, this was a specific promise for the disciples who were there that day, who had been sitting at the feet of Jesus for three years and likely never took any notes. And Jesus was telling them that the Holy Spirit would remind them of his teaching and give them the ability to write it all down and share it with others. But if the Holy Spirit was active in the initial writing of scripture, and he was, we also know that he's actually active in the reading of scripture too. And so he brings it to life that we might all understand it. That we might have the opportunity to, to read scripture and it become clear to us. But I also want you to understand one more thing about scripture. Is that scripture has one meaning or interpretation period with many applications. Now this is called what, what we call the, the historical grammatical literary way of approaching scripture. We read a verse and it means one thing ever, only, always. How do we know what it means? We try and understand it as the original writer intended it to the original audience. And then we find the spiritual truth within it. And then find the application for our life. Scripture should never be read. And then you say things like, I think, I feel, I Or what it means to me. When you read a passage and you go. Well what this means to me is. You just said. I likely. Am espousing heresy. Or false teaching. But when you read a verse. And you go. In the original context. This verse means. And then you say. And how I will apply it to my life. Is like this. You are using scripture properly. Scripture has one meaning. Every verse has one meaning. One proper interpretation based on its historical, grammatical, literary foundations. But lots of applications. And so, read Scripture but try and understand it. How it means to be understood. For instance, Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. Anybody know what that one says? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, yeah, Tim Tebow on his eye I, 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 I stuff, right? All things through Christ who strengthens me. In my mind, and thankfully, I can censor myself a little bit. In my mind, I want to stand on the table and act like I'm going to jump. But I don't want to offend anybody by standing on the communion table, right? Um, but, but you get the picture, right? I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will fly. How many of you guys think I can do that? I mean, through Christ, he strengthened. I believe in Jesus' power for my life that I could fly if I just jump off of this stage head first. Anybody? Anybody want to bet on it? <laughs> no, but we want to see it. <laughs> Go ahead, get your phones out. Let's record it. This would be a great viral video. So we clearly understand that verse doesn't mean you can do anything if you believe hard enough. But what does it mean? In context, according to the history, the grammar, the type of letter this is, the Apostle Paul had just finished telling the church that he had learned how to make do, how to be content when he was naked or clothed, hungry or filled, in persecution or in comfort. He essentially says... God has given me the ability to suffer any circumstance and still keep a right perspective. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What are the all things? I can be content when I'm full, but I've also learned how to be content when I'm hungry. I can be content when I'm healthy, but I've also learned how to be content when I'm sick. I can be content when when I'm clothed. But I've also learned how to be content when I'm naked. So you see, the the meaning of that verse is God has provided everything I need in every circumstance. Whether it was good, but sometimes, and in fact most times, it was bad. It doesn't mean you can jump off a bridge and fly. It doesn't mean you're going to win a Super Bowl. And we all know that's true didn't matter how many times tim tebow won that he wasn't winning a super bowl he wasn't on the right team he wasn't i mean just right sports people scripture can be understood but we have to be careful to understand it rightly so how should we interact with scripture how are we supposed to well number one you should hear it hear scripture Listen to it. So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Listen to your Bible app. Listen to good preaching. Listen to somebody just reading the Scripture. Listen to God's Word. But we've got to be careful. Don't be just hearers of the Word and deceive ourselves. We must do what God's Word says. The second way we can interact with scripture is to read it for ourselves. And I want to recommend, read God's word. Read God's word. If there were one more thing I would encourage you to do on a regular basis, it would be to read God's word. Read scripture. Get to know it. The more you read scripture, the more you will understand it. Let me just make that guarantee to you. The more scripture you consume, the more places in the Bible you read with the the desire to to see how it fits together, the more you will understand. And and the coolest thing about scripture is the understanding like increases ad infinitum, to to, to infinity and beyond. (laughs) That scripture is limitless in what it has to teach us. Why is reading important? Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. We should be reading and reading aloud and studying Scripture as well. Study Scripture. Now, I, I use the King James Version for this one because I love the way the King James Version says this. It says, Study to show thyself, uh, show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We as believers should be studying God's word so that we can stand up before God and others with confidence saying this is the truth. And it's what God's word says. And I I know because I've spent some time in it. Study God's word. The next thing we can do is is memorize God's word. Now, we've we've already talked about this. We've already seen it. Here are a a couple of verses here. We've got Deuteronomy 6.6. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Take, take God's word. Take his teaching. Hide it in your heart. Treasure it up. Psalm one nineteen eleven says the, the same thing but with different words. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. We should be actively memorizing scripture as well. And we should be meditating on scripture. A lot of us, we have a mindset of meditation because of the culture that we're in. We think it's like, oh, um, right or or we think of something you know it'd be like for god's so of the world he gave his only begotten son and who shall believe in him not ever everlasting life right we're not talking about that but what we're talking about when we're talking about meditating on scripture is to allow it to play over and over and over again in your mind to have a verse to focus on it To play it over and over again. So that you understand it. So that you memorize it. So that you grow from it and apply it. Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked. Or stand in the pathway with sinners. Or sit in the company of mockers. We we could just look at how happy is the person who doesn't focus their whole life on self-help books. Politicians and gurus. But instead... His delight is in the Lord's instruction or the word of the Lord. And he meditates on it day and night. To meditate is to constantly think about the word of God. How do we think about the word of God? Well, we've got to be consuming it. We've got to be reading it. We've got to be hearing it. We've got to be studying it. We've got to be memorizing it. And then we can meditate on it as well. Here's the beautiful thing. God has already told us all that we need to know when it comes to our relationship with him and life and godliness. Second Peter 1.3, Peter writes this. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything we need for life and godliness is revealed to us in Christ Jesus who is revealed to us By the living, breathing, double-edged sword that is the word of God. And so, if you feel like you're lacking, if you feel like you're spiritually languishing, if you feel like you're missing out on something, don't look for a feeling, a place, or a thing that will revolutionize your life or give you warm fuzzies. But instead, get yourself into God's word. Get yourself into reading, hearing, studying, memorizing, meditating in God's word. Because God's word is the only place you will find all of these things that you need. So this week, be thinking about how you might better hear, read, study, memorize, and meditate upon god's word if you're working through the devotional there'll be some exercises some stuff in there for you if you don't have one of the devotionals for the how to be a christian series there's still a handful of them available on the back table but you need to get into god's word if you can't think about the last time you read the bible on your own apart from somebody else telling you to do it or sitting in a group with others then you are missing out on the very lifeblood of your christian walk you are missing out on all the things that you need for life and godliness because we can we can look back and we know for sure we understand beyond a shadow of a doubt that all scripture is inspired by god It's breathed out by him and it gives us all that we need for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Why? So that we might be complete and equipped for everything in this life. A Christian demonstrates a desire to learn and apply the word of God as their primary authority for life and godliness. If you need help getting into God's word, If you need a better Bible translation, I've got some for you. You need a study Bible to help you understand what that one meaning for every verse is. I've got resources for you. We've got a great Thursday night Bible study for men and women. Teaching us how to dig into scripture. How to get our our hands into it. We're so blessed in this church with so many opportunities to learn and grow. Encourage you to engage to belong, to become. Get into God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for your word given to us by the power and inspiration of your Holy Spirit. And it tells us the truth about your son, Jesus. And in your word, you give us everything we need for life and godliness your very great and precious promises, your, your truth revealed about your son is all in these pages from Genesis to Revelation. We know this is not a book to be held up as an idol, but it instead it is a living and breathing and life-giving document that is your very word for us. May we find in its pages the story of our salvation and the surety of it. May we find in its pages the hope and encouragement that we need. May we find in its pages the instruction that we long for and the direction that can come only from someone like you who knows everything and can point us in the right direction. Help us to determine in our life how we might read it more and hear it more and study it more and memorize it more and meditate on it more not out of duty but understanding this is the very food we need it's the air that we breathe it's it's the water that we drink it is life for us to consume your word when we are your children help us to consume your word more in your name we pray Lord Jesus Amen